This is TV Podcast Industries, and this is our Star Trek Picard premiere podcast. Welcome back, fellow Trekkies and Trekkers. This is TV Podcast Industries, and we're here to talk about the Star Trek Picard European premiere and preview of the series. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Trekkies. Yes, I am one of your other hosts, John. I never thought I would be saying fellow Trekkies. Hmm. We've had fellow Watchers, fellow Witches, fellow Defenders, Uh fellow Gothamites, but yes, now it's on to the Star Trek universe. So welcome, fellow Trekkies. And Trekkers. Yes. Is that a thing? It is, absolutely. Yes, the, the name was changed back in the 90s. I remember it changed over to Trekkers, and then the old guard, the people that only liked the original series, wanted to maintain themselves as Trekkies. But I think everybody should be brought together by Star Trek Picard, the follow-up, I suppose, or the semi-sequel to The Next Generation, starring Jean-Luc Picard, played by Sir Patrick Stewart. And I was lucky enough to get to see the European premiere of Star Trek Picard Ooh, in London yes. yeah, last week. So to get us ready for Star Trek Picard, we will be talking about three things on this episode. We'll be talking about the European premiere of Star Trek Picard, which took place in London this week. We'll be talking about the two of the three issue comic book series, Star Trek Picard Countdown. And we'll be talking about the Star Trek short trek Children of Mars. We'll be going into full spoiler filled detail on all of those things, but we won't be spoiling the episode of Star Trek Picard. I am not allowed. <laughs> well, boo hiss. Boo hiss, Derek, because, yes, we would love for you to spoil everything no. about that premiere, but I know you're on deep lockdown from Amazon Prime, so yes, <laughs> I won't be asking any probing questions about that. But, except for, overall, you know, imp- an, an impression, you know, mm-hmm. I presume it was a good atmosphere at the premiere oh, with yeah. the white carpet, not mm-hmm. the red carpet. Yep. Certainly on social media, we saw Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart having a fabulous time with a proposal of marriage, <laughs> a, a brief kiss on the lips. Um, but it looks exciting. I think one of the underground stations, you did a selfie there, yep. I think, instead of Piccadilly Circus, it was Picard Illy Circus. It was, absolutely. Yeah, loads of great stuff that we'll be talking about in uh, our discussion about the European premiere. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Let's kick off right there. The, uh, the Picard Illy Station, uh, which I thought was a great installation from the PR team. Uh, effectively, you arrive at Piccadilly Station, every sign has been changed. Uh, the signs above every door and every exit have been changed to it. There's posters everywhere. The trailer for the show is playing everywhere. And you're welcomed by Sir Patrick Stewart to the station uh, as Jean-Luc Picard telling you to mind the gap. Ah, excellent stuff. <laughs> no, that's really good, yeah. yeah. Um, ah, 
I'm in nerd heaven just at that. I think. <laughs> um, really yeah, they're no, really good. I arrived. I, a little, I arrived a little bit early into London. I flew in the day of the premiere. I arrived a little bit early into London, and I decided to go out of my way to go over to Piccadilly Station. It was actually a completely different line. If you know the tube system in London, uh, there's various different lines. I went onto a completely different line just to get to Piccadilly Station and take my nerd photograph. <laughs> well, it's <laughs> that, that yeah, it's great that London embraced, or at least Leicester Square. Uh, and the fans and the London Underground system embraced uh, the premiere of Star Trek Picard. Um, and of course, I think we are recording this uh, with literally about a week to go, yeah. just under a week to go till it premieres on Wednesday, the 22nd uh, of January in the US. And then we all get it on Amazon Prime on Thursday, the 23rd, where mm-hmm. we can engage exactly. with the Picard series. Mm. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, you know, so I can't wait for us to cover this um, for sure. Mm-hmm. It should be really good. I really enjoyed the Discovery, um, Star Trek Discovery yeah. that was done as well. I love how they are really upgrading the Star Trek world, at least in terms of special effects, but also, you know, just making it, a, a maybe, dare I say it, for a, a science fiction um series it feels more real it, it it definitely does but then having said that next generation felt real to me in the 90s when i was watching it it was really good and um, i i think the main thing is it, it's just making it sort of um consistent and comparable with what people maybe expect from television these days mm-hmm. you know in it's becoming more serialized less episodic um, it's certainly special effects are up there with the films. If I read the reports right as well, I think Patrick Stewart said as well, you know, with this nine episode series that, uh, it, it is like, um, a film script that he feels, um, he's done here and, and a, a film set that he's on. So that's great stuff mm. that the production is of that quality as well. So Derek, what were your thoughts? on the event overall. I really enjoyed the event overall. It was, uh, it was an interesting thing to do. I haven't uh, been to a premiere for quite a while. I think the last time I was at a premiere in London was for Gotham uh, many, many years ago in a much, much smaller theatre. This was held at uh, Leicester Square where uh, the premieres of things like the Star Wars movies always happen. You see the red carpets and you see people all around um, sharing and, and sharing the fandom for it and that kind of stuff. Uh, this was a bit different. It's, you know, it was, it's a TV show, obviously, so uh, a little bit different but Star Trek has its own brand itself. It's had movies as well in the past, obviously. Um, so it does have a lot of fans. Um, what we had was a kind of a, a double queuing system. You had the press on one side and you had fans on the other side. Uh, you had the arrival of all of the stars of the show uh, and they went up and down the, the lines with the fans taking selfies and, and getting signatures done and taking photographs of the press, uh, taking photographs for the press. Uh, the press don't usually take, take selfies with the stars of the show, of course. <laughs> but in attendance at the event, we had the main stars. We had uh, Patrick Stewart, uh, Issa Briones, who plays the new character Dash. Um, we have Michelle Hurd, who plays Rafi Musiker, another new character. Uh, Evan Avagoria, uh, who plays Elnor, another one of the new characters. Uh, Harry Treadaway, John, who I know you'll be talking about very soon, formerly of Penny Dreadful. Yes. Um, he's joined the show as a character called Narek. And of course, his brother was in Attack the Block as well. That's right. Because I was always getting confused that 
Harry Treadaway was also in Attack the Block, but it's not. It's his brother. It's his or brother. dare I say, yeah, twin brother. That's right, yeah. Um, we also have Jonathan Del Arco, who fans of Star Trek Next Generation would recognize this guy. He played a character called Hugh, who was a Borg who separated from the Borg Collective. There's going to be loads of species and stuff that you may remember and may not. Um, but the Borg were the big villains of the oh, major absolutely. series of Star Trek. You must remember the Borg. I mean, and I have to say, I always remember that. The, well, those episodes with with Hugh mm-hmm. or Huey, um, just you. I, I always <laughs> called him Huey uh, because I, I I think ultimately that was a I I found it massively cute at the time that he kind of attached to Picard as his father figure, um, and I think the the separation that they had to go through. I thought that was really sad. So I can't wait to see old Huey the Borg uh, back in town, to be honest. <laughs> Speaking of another Borg that got separated from the collective, probably a more well-known character yes. to everybody else. Uh, Seven of Nine, a character well-known from Star Trek Voyager, played by Jerry Ryan, is also returning for the show um, and was at the premiere as well. So uh, very cool to see her there. Very interesting to see her interact in future with the captain of the Enterprise because they never actually got to work together uh, when they were on their shows in the past uh, but it's been 25 years since star trek voyager premiered and 25 years roughly 20 years actually i think since the last star trek movie starring patrick stewart as well so it's been a long time since these characters actually were in their universes so uh, really intriguing to see how they all get together um also the executive producers were there we had christian bear alex kurtzman akiva goldsman and michael shabon were there as well and on the white carpet as john mentioned already we had we had got serene mckellen and one of your favorite actors as well turned up you said you're a fan of star trek discovery jason isaacs was also there who played captain lorca on yes the first season of star trek discovery oh Great, great yeah. stuff. He's great so, stuff. He's so much fun with the fans because everybody knows him because he's been in so many things. He was in the Harry Potter franchise, that kind of stuff. So if you've been in Harry Potter and you're in London, <laughs> you're going to get shouted at by fans. You should have seen the reaction from uh, from people when he arrived. Everybody was cheering for him and asking him to come over and take selfies. And he was kind of like, give me a second. I've got to just talk to these people first. <laughs> I'll get there. And I think because he's played villainous characters in the past as well, it kind of gives him license to be a little bit more standoffish or telling people to just wait sure, their yeah. turn. <laughs> Just, it goes down really well with fans when people can kind of have that interaction as well. Um, Good fun then. Yeah, that was that was great fun to see that there. Uh, we were kind of ushered past that a little bit. We uh, we had tickets to the premiere. I brought along uh, one of our friends, John, uh, two-time BAFTA warm yes. winning Tim Duck, uh, who was my cameraman for the evening, as my camera died, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, just before going in. So he's taken some lovely photographs that are up in our group over on our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. You see some photographs there from the premiere that Tim took. Yes, excellent stuff for yeah. the Duckmeister to be on call there <laughs> in London for the premiere. Yeah. And it was really nice. We we were ushered into the theatre. It was a very cold night outside. They all kept mentioning, I think, they'd had the LA premiere a couple of nights beforehand. And Patrick Stewart was talking about the fact that, you know, he doesn't think he's ever walked a premiere line where he had to have hand warmers in his hands. But they were lovely and toasty, he said. <laughs> well, he's getting on. You know, he is, what, 79. Yeah. So um, definitely... You know, it's fantastic to see him doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fantastic that he's reprising, uh, Jean-Luc Picard. Um, I, I am beyond excited, uh, for this series. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really can't wait. And I think as well, just whilst we're here, just to say, you know, it's, the Star Trek Picard will be releasing weekly on Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. uh, from the 23rd 
of January in Europe. And of course, we will then discuss each episode in spoiler-filled detail uh, after it comes out. So our, our podcast will drop uh, on a weekly basis. And, mm-hmm. and that is my favorite sort of podcasting absolutely weekly basis you can interact with the fans it has time to digest yeah. uh, so just fellow trekkies remember uh, our podcast will be coming out on a weekly basis mm-hmm. as we cover star trek picard and as usual we do want to hear your thoughts in the episodes make sure you email them to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com or pop over to our facebook group and we should have a spoiler post up each week uh, where you can leave your thoughts about the episodes as well um, as i said i'm not going to be able to review the episode what i will say is i'm really looking forward to uh watching the first episode with john i want to see your reaction i want to hear chris's reaction and i want to hear the reaction of everybody else um i was not disappointed there you go excellent stuff there you go excellent stuff yeah that's really good to hear Mm -hmm. um i'll have to try and tease out some spoilers from (laughs) you over the course of the next week Genu- Purely confidential, of course. Absolutely. Genuinely, John has gotten zero spoilers from I know. about the episode because there's lots of nice twists and turns in there that I I was pretty surprised about, I suppose. And I don't want anybody to not be surprised by the twists and turns in the episode. Um, what we did get was a Q&A inside the theatre exclusively for the people that had watched the premiere. They have asked us not to spoil anything to do with the episode, obviously, but there were some questions that were asked and some answers that were given, which were specific spoilers about the episode. So I'm not going to talk about those, but some of the interesting things that I thought uh, out of the premiere, um, some of the interesting things I wanted to kind of talk about here. Patrick Stewart specifically welcomed everybody in there and just thanked all of the fans for their support over the many, many years and wants everybody to give this show a chance. He says it's a brand new thing for Star Trek. It's not something that he would have returned for if it was going to be season eight of The Next Generation because he feels he's well gone past that time uh, he felt he w- he would only come back for something brand new for the character um he specifically talks about being visited by the executive producers who he said invite them to my house so we can have dinner and i can tell them no to their face um, because i wouldn't want to let them down over the phone i wouldn't want to send them an email saying i'm not going to do it send them over to the house we'll have a chat and i'll be able to tell them no when they get there he said they just talked and talked and talked And he kind of feels they wore him down a little bit. (laughs) And when they eventually went, he said, I'm kind of interested in what you've got. If you have any information that you could write down and I'll read through it and I'll see what I think of the concept once you've written it down. Um, But it's still a no at the moment. Uh, Two days later in the post, you received a 35 page document with their take on the world of Picard and what's happened to the Starfleet since everything had happened uh, back in the day with the next generation. And he said he was sold instantly on that point. Once he got that document, he said, I realize now that the treatment that they want to do with the character and it's something I'm up for. So, uh, so that what I thought was really fascinating. No, that's great. Cause when you get that buy in and or rebuy in to a, a property that certainly, you know, a lot of people have done for a long time and maybe have been welcome of the break from it, uh, even though, you know, they will still love their time on it. Mm-hmm. Um, to get that buy-in 
I think is is really great to get it from the actors. Yeah, and and the executive producers constantly, when they were asked questions about the setting of the show and how it was going, a lot of them were basically saying that it was kind of a cue from Patrick Stewart himself and, and his way of approaching the character, that they wanted to make sure that they were respectful of what he was trying to do with the character. So it was a collaborative process. And he is, in fact, an executive producer himself on the show. His credit does show up on screen. So he has a lot of input into the show. And it felt like a passion project, the way he was talking about it. He seemed massively passionate. I think the way he described it was, when you watch the first episode, we want Star Trek fans to watch it. And we want people who've never been interested in Star Trek or thought it wasn't for them to watch it. And if you don't like it at the end of the first episode, watch the second one. And if you don't like it at the end of that one, give us a chance to the end of the series until you understand the whole story that we're telling so that you can see what we're trying to get on screen. He doesn't feel like the old days where you can watch three episodes of the serialized show and then not come back to it. He feels like this is one full story that's being told with the first season of the show. That definitely makes sense, I think, with modern TV, mm. it being much more serialized. You know, the arc of the story, the nuance of it uh, is over the full series you know there is payoff along the the different episodes uh whereas obviously next generation as well as um voyager deep space nine uh, and the original star trek you know they're much more episodic yes they had maybe two or three episode arcs sometimes mm-hmm. but that's certainly the way it's going for this kind of event television now you mm-hmm. know so um that that's yeah i i'm again beyond excited yeah. um and I hope that our discussions of this uh, on a weekly basis certainly uh, do it justice. Um, and of course, fellow Trekkies, if you are joining us for the first time, remember you can pop over to our website to go to any Starfleet supporting podcast player of your choice. Mm-hmm. Remember, please share the podcast, leave a review, rate us uh, and join us for this epic journey into space uh with feedback of all sorts because one of the great things about the star trek community is the fandom mm-hmm. is the community and um, so yeah i cannot wait to hear uh people's thoughts on picard yeah absolutely it's like you're you're reading my notes john because uh you've got you've hit on another one here there's other returning characters as we mentioned jerry ryan and jonathan delarco who played hugh uh, on the original next generation and um, one of the things he was talking about was you know you get into such a ride you kind of uh you suddenly hit this massive fandom when you become part of star trek and he says from the moment he appeared on screen in the original episode, I think it was Iborg was the name of the episode, uh, when he originally appeared on there, the fans have always reached out of him and always followed his career from that point onwards. And he felt like he wanted to really give do them justice by coming back and playing this role as well. Um, Jerry Ryan described it as jumping on a freight train where you don't know how fast it's going. And it just goes and goes and goes. Um, she Her career completely took off from that point and it's always been a credit to Star Trek. Uh, she did joke about the fact that two years ago, she was one of the first actresses to hear about the role. Uh, that that she could have been involved in Star Trek Picard. And about two years ago, it was proposed to her by uh, one of the executive producers. I think Alex Kurtzman is the one that proposed it to her. Um, it was proposed to her event, and she just went, that's never going to happen. There's no way you're going to get <laughs> Patrick Stewart back <laughs> to do it. Excellent stuff. And then about a year later, she was at, uh, at an event just before San Diego Comic-Con, I think she said, um, where 
Alex Kurtman came back up to her again and said, we've been talking about you so much in the writer's room. Your character is going to be so important to the series. And she went, oh, I guess I'm doing that thing then. <laughs> so I think it's really good fun. So uh, she she loved being there. She loved she loved working with Patrick Stewart. And he really was very complimentary to those two actors, particularly about them coming back into these roles. Well, I, I definitely think, you know, I can't wait to see that interaction between Seven of Nine mm-hmm. and Jean-Luc Picard. Certainly just because... Jean-Luc Picard, Next Generation, and Seven of Nine from Voyager, bringing those two different um, parts of the Star Trek universe together as well through these two actors is going to be fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And again, with with Hugh, uh, just it's one of my favourite episodes. So I'm really mm-hmm. uh, pleased uh, about that. And I suspect, obviously, maybe is a pupil of Seven of Nine or they are part of a dare I say it, collective of individuals of previous Borg uh, species. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I'm making this up as I go <laughs> along, but I can't wait to see um, these returning characters. Yeah. And I can't wait to see the new characters make their stamp in the Star Trek world as mm-hmm. well uh, and see what they're about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One of the things I really want to see is how Seven of Nine has changed since that show ended. I yeah. think that's going to be really interesting to see because she had separated herself and spent a lot of time with the characters on Voyager. So I'm intrigued to see how her life has changed over, again, 20 years since she appeared as the character. Um, some of the new characters, really quickly, I'm not going to go too in-depth in this because I don't want to give any spoilers for what might have been on screen. Issa Brionis, who plays Daj, seemed to have such a fun time on the show. She's one of the youngest people on the show and she seemed to be really enjoying uh, her experience there. Evan Vangoria, who plays a new character called Elnor, um, he seemed a little bit elf-like in the trailer footage that we saw. He's not in the first episode, which is not a spoiler, um, but he's in the trailer. He seems a little bit like Legolas is the way he looks. He is a Romulan, and he's a very different type of Romulan than we've seen in the past. The Romulans are like the Vulcans, but a very secretive race. They've always been uh, enemies of the Federation, yes. of, of Starfleet. Um, they've always been enemies of all the ships in Star Trek, I suppose. Let's uh, break it down to there. Oh, but I <laughs> I love the Romulans. I, I, I always feel they've been given a bit of short shrift, mm. in certainly in the movies, mm-hmm. uh, Apart from maybe Shinzon, who I think was kind of a Romulan kind of hybrid. He was a clone of Picard, yeah, yes. But with Romulan blood yeah. as well. Yeah. I think they've always been given short shrift in, in the movies. And I think, you know, unlike something like the Cardassians or, or the Klingons. Cardassians? Not the Cardassians, because the Cardassians are the very popular um, Car- reality TV stations. the Cardassian. <laughs> Cardassians. Yes, the Cardassians and the the, the Klingons mm. obviously have always... I, I feel much more immersed in their culture yeah. in yep. the Star Trek universe, more so than the Romulans, but I've always enjoyed seeing the Romulans on screen mm-hmm. interacting with Starfleet, yeah. uh, and certainly their... Um, their warships are pretty cool yeah. with the the kind of green glow about them. So I've always enjoyed the Romulans. So it's great to see um, that there are Romulans in this, which mm-hmm. you, that's not a spoiler as such because it is hinted at within the two-issue comic series as well uh, that has uh, been published uh, on uh, IDW Comics 
um, uh, as part of this sort of lead-in to to the new series mm-hmm. as well. We will be talking about that in our preview in just a couple of minutes as well about the comic books that have come out. Uh, just to mention again, Harry Treadaway is the other Romulan character in the show. I just thought it was quite interesting because he is a well-known actor now. He's done some very high-profile uh, shows and, and movies in the past. So interesting getting him on board. He said he really knew nothing about Star Trek and he took that as his kind of prize that he was coming into the show not knowing much about Star Trek but when he got the role and when he got the call saying he was, that they were interested in bringing him on board he, I like this. He said he sat outside looking up at the stars and asked them to give him an overview of the Star Trek that he was coming into what the history of it was and what this show would do differently to it in the past. And he said he was actually staring at the stars the whole 20 minutes or 30 minutes as he was getting a description of this universe. And he said it really kind of helped place him in this in this world, which I just thought was quite nice because, you know, you hear the idea of, of you know, NASA scientists being inspired by Star Trek, you know, uh, that whole concept of people looking at the stars and wondering what's out there, you know, being inspired by this sci-fi show, because it is different from normal sci-fi, uh, I would find, and a lot of people would say it's a very inspirational type of show. So Yeah, I mean, that seems like a very actory thing to, um, mm-hmm. to say, to be honest. Not saying that it's not true, yeah. but uh, certainly... I think seeing the poetry yeah. um, and the circumstance as you're being offered a job looking up at the stars mm-hmm. um, is far removed from uh, how us plebs would normally get jobs. <laughs> well, I liked uh, Issa Briotas when she was saying that she got the job. Uh, she just said she screamed and then her mom screamed. And then she <laughs> ran around the house really happy Yay. with herself. <laughs> uh, fantastic. The final actor that was there is Michelle Hurd. Now, she is supposed to be very central to the show. We will actually talk about her character, Rafi Musiker, when we talk about the two-issue comic books because her character is quite central in there. She does have a pre-existing relationship with Picard, but is not in the first episode, unfortunately. Um, but she seems like a really interesting actor. You've probably seen her in a lot of other things before, but unfortunately we didn't get to see her in the first episode episode of the show so uh, really looking forward to seeing her on screen um as it goes on but overall the event itself was was really good the q a was really interesting it was about 20 or 30 minutes with all the cast the one thing i thought was really good fun christian bayer one of the uh the executive producers on the show they constantly mentioned that when everybody in the writer's room hit a point and they needed an explanation to get them out of a situation they've written in she was the one that would come up with the concept of how to get them out of it with an in-canon explanation of how they do something. Like, for example, if they said, this character needs to get the other side of space, but warp drive's not fast enough, what can we do? Christian Bayer would go, actually, back in the 60s, they did this. Or in Star Trek Voyager episode 12, they did this. And she'd come up with a perfect in-universe explanation as to how they would be able to get it, get themselves out of their writer problems, as they said. Uh, which I thought was really <laughs> That's good. That's so good. So, yeah. So good. <laughs> yeah, I just really liked that, that kind of interaction with all of them. You know, she kind of even says herself, she's probably the encyclopedia for Star Trek for everybody to use as they, as they want to. <laughs> and great to have someone like that on board for a Star Trek show. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Unfortunately, we're not going to have someone like that on our podcast. We're all Star Trek watchers. We've all, we all know the shows and we've seen most of them as well, but uh, we're going to be coming at the show as TV watchers. You know, we've, we've been uh, talking about TV for over 400 episodes of our podcast and we're really hoping that this show is going to stand up against all the other kind of shows that we've covered in the past. I think yeah, I mean, three of us are really excited to watch it. I would say I'm a Trekkie light, to mm-hmm. be honest, in that, you know, Star Trek has wonderful, fun memories um for for me watching the original series actually with my dad when mm-hmm. it was replayed on BBC2 in in the 80s um and like my dad absolutely loved it yeah. and then 
obviously there was the next generation which felt like um you know the star trek of my time and i loved that as well and my dad did as well mm-hmm. and then you got deep space nine it was a different take and then voyager and i've always watched them um i'm just not an encyclopedic britannica when it comes to all things star trek i have my you know favorite characters my favorite moments my favorite episodes but i'm not well uh, read up on the um yes on the law of star trek really Mm -hmm. except for maybe the you know the main points around starfleet and and so on but like Yes, I uh, cannot wait for this. So that's where our awesome listeners come in, because they always come in with the ideas and stuff that we miss out as well. So that's where you come in and you can tell us your thoughts and the things we missed on the episode. That's it really for the Picard premiere. I thought it was a really interesting event. What I thought was really interesting as well is just after we left, after watching the first episode of the show and the 20-minute Q&A, the entire red carpet and all of the staging had all been taken down and removed. <laughs> we wow. went outside and it was literally the builders were there just taking away the last bits and pieces of the stuff. It had all been taken down in about an hour. Very Dare impressive. I say it, for another space-themed series and, and movie uh, property, most impressive. <laughs> yes, yes, it was. Very impressive. That's it, as I said, for the premiere in London. We're going to go on and talk about some things to prep you for the series of Picard. There are a few things that are that have been released to tie into the show. Uh, there's a three-issue comic book series, two issues that have been released so far. One issue, weirdly, was delayed to the 30th of January. I have an idea as to why it was delayed after watching that, pro- that, that first episode, but I won't know until the 30th of January when that issue is released. But we are going to talk about the first two issues of this series because it does set up some characters and it set up, sets up some ideas that will be carried into the show. Yeah, I mean, I think the first issue... Um, you know, begins with the arrival of two Romulans called Laris and Zeban uh, at Jean-Luc Picard's vineyard in France. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's this conversation between the two of them about not being welcome uh, on Earth and that Romulans have always been enemies of Earth, but they owe uh, Jean-Luc Picard for the the risks that he took to, to save them. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, just firstly for me, the thing that popped was Romulans. Exactly. Second thing... Romulans on Earth. Thirdly, ooh, what has Picard done for mm-hmm. this sort of introductory situation? Because it immediately then goes a year previously, uh, and we begin to sort of delve into why you have two Romulans walking about uh, on Earth, looking through the vines and, and discussing grapes and uh, and the vineyard mm-hmm. at John Luke's uh, vineyard, uh, and of course. Uh, we, we go to a year previously where we have, um, again, little nod to Next Generation with Geordie LaForge there helping to build a whole new fleet of ships uh, around uh, the, the big Mars depot uh, orbiting the planet there. Yeah. Yeah, that was quite interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you that that idea that having Romulans on Earth, you're instantly going, oh, how did this happen? Because last we saw, they were all enemies, effectively. So uh, so something must have happened between them. So that's really interesting. Yeah, Jordan LaForge helping build the new fleet of ships. Uh, what we find out is that Picard has been trying to evacuate the Romulans from their space for the previous four years because a supernova is about to destroy their entire race. Um, so what Jordan LaForge is building is a fleet of ships to help get them out of there quickly. He's the one responsible to kind of 
build more and more ships to get out there and help out millions and billions of people that could need to get out of this, that system. Yeah, it's a mass relief exercise from Starfleet. And I think one of the great things here from the comics is that it really kind of picks into um, the fact that it's hugely difficult because of this absolute fundamental distrust between the Romulans and the Federation. Yeah. Uh, and even just the idea that Romulans anyway are very secretive. There's a great moment where uh, Jean-Luc Picard is going to help relieve a, a, a Romulan homeworld, as we're kind of led to believe, uh, of about 10,000 Romulans. And there's all these secret passageways that he's escorted to meet the governor of that world, the Romulan governor. There's this kind of under-the-breath comment to Rafi Musica uh, from Picard saying, you know, there's no straight way to get to meet the Romulans. They always have these secret passageways. It's always like a maze in any of their buildings so that they can keep hiding things. They keep secrets from themselves, you know, all all this kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it really nice little kind of contextualization of the Romulans. And just to be honest, refreshing me of the Romulan race. As Mm -hmm. I say, it, it is one of those races, I think that, um, you know, I wish I'd seen more of in the TV shows. Yeah. Well, I think you're going to get going to like us when we get to Star Trek Picard as well. Uh, yeah, I do you like that comment. It's like, uh, of course, it's going to be a secret door to get in, <laughs> get into the building. Of course it is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, let's talk quickly about Rafi Musker. This is a, the first appearance we've seen of this character. Um, Admiral Picard, as he is now, he's working on the USS Ooh, yeah. Verity, um, which is the ship that he's on board. They make a casual mention to there being uh, a new captain of the Enterprise. If he wants it back, the captain will hold on to the seat. They don't mention who that captain is uh, in the comic book, as far as I could see. Um, but they're on the USS Verity, and Rafi Musiker is his first officer. This is Lieutenant Commander uh, Rafi Musiker. Um I think I wrote down that she's light on formality, but very efficient was how, how I described her because she keeps calling him JL instead of John Luke. Uh, and he's kind of going, you're never going to call me Admiral, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, ex- like, yeah. And of course, with Patrick Stewart being a classically trained, rather trained Shakespearean, you know, a lot of Shakespearean, um, productions under his belt. Do you think he says, Verity, I say unto thee? When he speaks to his crew. <laughs> Perhaps. <laughs> Perhaps he does. On the USS ver- Verity. <laughs> I'd say if they, if he started every speech with that, they'd start to get a bit bored of him. But <laughs> he could do one or two, right? He could. <laughs> but the, both of them are going down to the planet to uh, to evacuate the people. They've been told there's 10,000 Romulans that need to get moved. I just think it's an interesting story uh, because, again, we get the secretive nature of the Romulans. We have Governor Shiana. Um, she's their contact and kind of divulges that the planet is basically one massive vineyard for Romulan drinks. Most popular Star Trek drink, I think it's known as the Romulan Ale, which gets everybody drunk instantly. So uh, so that might be what they're producing there. Uh, Picard thinks it's really interesting that the planet is very similar to to his own vineyard, the, the Chateau Picard that he has at home in France. So he kind of thinks it's really interesting that in Romulus or in the Romulan system, they have vineyards just like he has back in France, effectively. And then suddenly notices that um, there seems to be some 
native people that are working on these vineyards that he's never even been told about. Um, and then finds out there's over 5 million of them on the planet who the Romulans are not expecting to be evacuated because yes, they're I, a lower class of life form. Exactly. I, I think the, the vineyard owner says it would be like uh, evacuating the trees and the grasses. Mm-hmm. Um, they are primitive, leave them to it. Yeah. Uh, I think this is what I like about the story because this is kind of a classic um, Picard moment. This is something that he just couldn't possibly entertain even as a concept um the idea of evacuating just the romans the idea of choosing one race over another and saying which one's more important it's absolutely fundamentally against everything that picard has lived for and done in his entire life you know he's been working with them for four years he knows how difficult these people are but he can't possibly accept that this would be something that he would be able to do yeah i think they really capture jean-luc picard uh really well you know he refuses to evacuate just the romulans and he needs more time to assess evacuating five million natives as well and as a result he gets imprisoned as the you know quote unquote guest by Mm -hmm. uh the governor shiana and you have this great moment where he's in prison where, you know, he questions his, his intellect, his reasoning, why he's made that decision. He goes, you know, I am a fool. I've trusted these Romulans. And before that, he was being told that they were more open, less secretive than maybe the, the homeworld of Romulus. Mm. And then, you know, the redemption of an old enemy in my own abilities, in the righteousness of my cause. You know, I, I think Picard can come across as very righteous. Um, and, and, you know, I think it's really interesting hearing him question that, you know, and he, he just is concerned that all is for naught. And I love just that kind of inner monologue with Picard and him having those thoughts. And I think the other great thing is this is the backdrop of all of this is this supernova where I think earlier in the comic, he talks to uh, Geordie LaForge saying, you know, it's an unseen clock. Um, they think it's a year away until the supernova yeah. goes, but they just don't know. And but they know that it's ticking down. And there's this reference to the unseen clock, which yeah. I think is really nice. Yeah, absolutely. They could, it could be the next week kind of thing, and everybody's trying to work around the Romulans. You know, there's this thing they mentioned early on in, in the issue where they can't even scan the planets. They didn't know until they got to the planet that there were 5 million people there because they're not even being allowed to scan the planets to help these people out because they're worried that the Federation are using this as a ruse to learn everything about the Romulans. You know, that's how untrusting these people are. So uh, unsurprising that uh, he ends off in prison at the end of the first issue, along with Rafi, his first officer. Uh, let's get into the second issue because it really does continue directly on from the previous issue. We have his first officer, Rafi, still under guard while Admiral Picard tries to convince the Romulan governor to make arrangements to evacuate the native uh, population. She completely refuses. And there's an uprising from the natives themselves where they overthrow the Romulans, set fire to the vineyard and release Captain Picard, who in turn releases Rafi and brings him, brings her along with him. Yes, and this, this daring escape brings them to it's almost like a, a natural temple that the native people have where mm. the waterfall is going upwards uh, rather than falling. Um, it's going up towards the sky, this this waterfall mm-hmm. type of natural feature uh, deep wi- uh, within a, a kind of a mountainside in a cave. Yeah. In this, what would you call that? Look like a waterfall, obviously, because the water falls. Water jump or water? Yeah, water jump, <laughs> I think. Yes. Water... 
um, risers. What a rise! A water yeah, rise. A water rise. Um, and the native people bring them into this natural feature. Um, but this is where Picard and Raffi then meet two rogue Romulans who have been helping them. Uh, and this is the two that we see right at the start of the first issue, mm-hmm. Laris and Zaban, uh, on Earth going, um, through the vineyards at Picard's vineyard. Yes. So, um, it's, it's a, a nice little touchback, uh, here in the second issue to that opening page of, of issue one. So now we know how they met and we know that Picard is obviously going to save the two of them. That's how they become or develop that relationship, I suppose. But they do reveal that they are members of the Tal Shiar and that the two of them fell in love with each other. Now, the Tal Shiar is an organization that we saw a lot in the next generation. They're like the kind of secret police of the ruling government of Romulans. They're sent in to take out anybody that could possibly be against the ruling government. So if you're reading the comic book and you don't know much about Star Trek and the words Tal Shiar appear in front of you, you go... What could that possibly be? Well, it's quite a massive thing that these two people would be even aligning themselves at all with anybody outside of the Romulans and that these two have fallen in love with each other is a massive thing because these guys yeah. are the secret police. They're like the Gestapo. Yeah, it? exactly. That They're going against the code of the Tal Shiar in, in falling in love as well as then actively aiding uh, an uprising or at least the breakout of Picard and Raffi from the 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 ruling classes mm. here uh, on on the planet. Um so yes, they would seemingly seem to be going rogue um but again, you know, it's it's still not entirely sure are they deep deep undercover mm. is this a ruse, you know, as I say, at the end of issue one, you've got this uh, questioning of Picard about being too trusting. And I, I think this plays out here uh, in this meeting uh, as well. Yeah, because in the second issue, he's kind of questioning whether he should trust them at all, really. And then in the other side of the story, uh, Governor Shan has contacted the Verity to tell them that Picard and Raffi have been killed in the uprising. And they need to be transported away because the uprising has left them with lots of injured people. And they need to be transported aboard the USS Verity so they can contact the high command effectively, the the command structure of the Romulans. I think I might have done a Klingon one there. I know Klingons have a high command, but I guess the Romulans also have a high command as well. <laughs> yeah, but, they must do. But they're brought on board and, you know, as they are the untrustworthy Romulans, they effectively break into the system and take control of the ship. Yes, yeah, so unfortunately the poor commander that's been left instead of Raffi uh, has really just done a massive, massive boo-boo. Mm-hmm. I, I, I am actually surprised that I know Federation as such is not a military um, presence, mm-hmm. and, and certainly the Verity probably isn't a military ship, yeah, but ship, yeah. Um, I'm still slightly concerned when the person left in command allows um, a known enemy of the Federation... Mm of secretive duplicitous intent towards the Federation mm. access the main computer in the captain's ready room. I think that's kind of the thing here, isn't it? Because there's one thing that the the governor mentions as they make a connection. All they're doing is effectively making a phone call from the ready room and they need to transfer a specific code in order to connect to the Romulans. But that's the ruse. And somebody has given them the information to allow them to hack into 
the computers. So they say we need to make sure that we reward the person that gave us this information because it was good information. So who's that person? Is that going to be important Ooh, in yeah. the third issue? So that will be interesting to see. Oh, uh, well, my immediate theory is could it be Rafi? Maybe, maybe, because she's new, maybe. <laughs> no, because she's new. But again, maybe it, it's a ruse that her going to prison and that's where she's able to pass it over maybe maybe or maybe it is the two members of the tal shiar laris and zaban who um have been rusing with the federation mm-hmm. as well interesting isn't it and i did I, again think it was interesting because both of these issues came out i think the first issue came out in the middle of november second issue middle of, of december third issue was expected to come out middle of uh, of january it is called Star Trek Picard Countdown, so everybody was expecting that you'd have an issue that would lead directly into the show, and then they went, actually, it's not coming out till the 30th of, uh, of January, so two weeks after the show premieres, or at least around the time the second episode premieres, so I think something's in that third and final issue that they don't want to get out before the second episode of the show comes out, that I think is happening, so well, we will see. That makes sense to me, um, but I'm looking forward to seeing the conclusion of this uh, story. It, it's a nice little warmer, mm-hmm. getting back into the Star Trek universe uh, and preparing you for Picard. It gives some nice background, uh, potentially, of the show. Yep. As I say, I don't know because I've not seen the first episode, mm-hmm. not seen the series. So it's it's just nice to connect back in with Picard in this different setting at this different time. Yep. Uh, and, and certainly it's good to see Geordie LaForge uh, in here because as we know from the trailer and other members of um, the USS Enterprise from the next generation will be making an appearance as well so it's Mm -hmm. nice to have uh, one of them make the appearance in the comic as well with Geordie LaForge yeah absolutely let's see uh, what happens with those characters in issue three our final piece that we're talking about for this preview of Star Trek Picard is the Star Trek short trek Children of Mars. Uh, the short treks have been, you know, about eight or ten minutes uh, episodes of Star Trek. Most of them have been shorts that have been connected to Star Trek Discovery, but we've had other ones. We've had ones that are have just had Captain Pike and uh, Spock in them, which aren't connected to Discovery at all, but have the characters from that show in them. Um, this one is specifically connected to Star Trek Picard. If you get a chance to see it, I'm going to just say it straight up front. I think it's one of the best ones they've done. In fact, yeah, me I think too. it's the best one they've me done. Me too. I, I've yeah. not been overly fussed on the short treks. Mm. Uh, this... I kind of liked it because it, it took you out of of space. It, it was just um, it, it centers around um, two twelve year old classmates, Kima and Lil, um, that find themselves at odds with one another. You know, it's it's like um, they're tripping one another up. They're fighting. They're giving each other a, a bloody nose, whether the blood is red or blue. Mm. Um, and you know, Kima's mother uh, is working. On, on Mars and have has a great relationship with Kima. Uh, Lil's father is also working on Mars, but is stuck there. Like the atmosphere um, is, is different; that he can't get back to Earth. He can't um, come back and, and see her. He's going to be away for another year yeah. because he is building uh, a fleet of starships, which links then to Geordi's, um part in issue one of the comics, mm-hmm. uh, where he, you know they're preparing this fleet of starships to help uh, the Romulans. And it's getting more and more hectic because Geordi is effectively trying to 
get these ships built and done in record time because of this unseen ticking clock that they're having to uh, work against uh, in order to save the Romulan race. But um, you you know you you see it play out the the two of them getting more and more frustrated with one another um and, and you really feel um that this kind of hatred is the wrong word but you, they, they don't like one another yeah. uh, you see that coming through um and it it's it's really well done by the the two actors yeah and i think what i like most about it is that you can see it's Lil having a bad day. One of the girls is having a much worse and much more difficult time with the fact that her father's not coming back. And she's the one that kind of kicks it all off. It's kind of one of those things where, you know, if you walk into a puddle and you're way to work in the morning, you're going to have a slightly worse day than someone that didn't. And that's kind of the way it looks. It's kind of that sliding doors effect. Both of them have exactly the same situation. Both of them have parents living on another planet who can't make it home. But Kima's kind of taken it in her stride. She has a really good relationship with the mother, whereas Lil is, she turns off the TV before her father even gets to say goodbye or I said TV there I meant communication system yes exactly. <laughs> it looks like a TV of course uh, but, but um, you see that because of that bad start to the day effectively that's where it's getting more and more aggressive what's also interesting about the episode is it's eight minutes long and it's mostly silent it's mostly uh, no dialogue at least between the characters you hear um, some words spoken by other characters but most but very little dialogue between the two of them uh, it is played out with a beautiful version of uh, of heroes by david bowie um that's been play, being played throughout most of the episode as well yeah which is almost like a silent uh, little short there's very little dialogue yeah. here. So, um, yeah, it, it's really, really good. But ultimately, the, the culmination in, in their sort of, um, in them butting heads mm. and, and their fighting means that they're awaiting punishment in, in their school when news of an attack, uh, comes through on, on the screens yeah. by, uh, what are described as rogue synths, uh, on the planet Mars where both their parents are stationed mm. and seeing the devastation of the attack on the, um, the, the, the starship, uh, dockyard in effect mm-hmm. um where they're the being um built and yeah the planets as well mm. and it, it really just finishes very nicely where the two of them hold hands as they realize that their parents both their parents no matter how the day started uh, are on the planet mars at the dockyard manufacturing the the the, the fleet of ships and are effectively dead or in serious danger mm-hmm. from this attack by the rogue synths, which does sound like a, a, a band. It does. Sounds like yeah, it, sound, yeah. <laughs> it sounds like sort of it would be a precursor to the cure or something like that. But it, yeah, it'd be great. <laughs> Absolutely. We are the rogue synths and this is Cars. <laughs> um, it is a really stunning kind of end to the episode because it's very evocative of 9-11 kind of those moments where we all were were doing whatever we were going about doing and then suddenly the news completely takes over everybody in every situation that's in there it completely changes their day and probably their entire lives um, because they've both lost a parent uh, maybe their only parent uh, on this planet of Mars and um, what we see on the news screen as John mentioned is uh, it's a, a, an attack by rogue synths synths are synths synthetics in this world they're not synthesizers john uh synthetics I know, I like know. like data for example like lieutenant commander data was a very important part of the next generation so you're wondering how synthetics could have gone so far away from lieutenant commander data who was absolutely almost considered 
a human by the end of the show. He was he was so similar. He was his own species, effectively, by the end of the show. So, But yeah, again, it builds into the comics and, and gives us a, an idea of what is to come uh, within the series, mm. which is, is nice and tantalizing, I Absolutely. think, uh, and just for a, sure. And just a glimpse of Admiral Picard saying that he's devastated by the attack or devastated by the news, just a, a moment where you've got him on screen as a massively important uh, character in all of all across the universe, effectively. He's asked for his comments on this attack. So, um, so interesting to see what's happening. The one thing, if you connect the two things we've just talked about there, the comic books and this short, the one thing that really worries me, think about what character we have sitting over the planet of Mars that we all know and love. Uh, Jordi Laforge is on planet Mars, seemingly when these attacks happen. If the comics that is true. are completely in canon and this TV episode is completely in canon, we may have just lost a major character in uh, in Star Trek history uh, at this moment. That's the one thing that suddenly I was going, uh-oh, have <laughs> they put, put him there in the comic and maybe he's back on Earth, maybe uh, dealing with something else when this particular attack happens? We'll probably find out in the show. So uh, let's see what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, cannot wait. I think with that, Derek, what's your overall excitement level for Star Trek Picard? I cannot wait for the series to begin and get to see episodes weekly of another Star Trek show. I genuinely have absolutely loved Star Trek Discovery and what's happened every week on that show. It was one of the shows that I was waiting for every single week when it came out. And I know it's going to be the same with Star Trek Picard. I know I'm, I'm already feeling I can't wait for the second episode and the first episode hasn't aired for everybody yet. I can't wait for the second episode. So uh, there you go, John. After me telling you uh, about the premiere that we've gone through and us talking about the comics and, and watching the short trek, what's your excitement level for Star Trek Picard? I think even without the comics, even without the short trek, even without your lovely description of the, the premiere and the fact that I wasn't there, unfortunately, to, to be able to share that with you. Um, Don't worry, I had two time BAFTA awarded and Tim Duck with me, so that's okay. I would be powering up my power cells to 11 on this for <laughs> sure, uh, so that we could go warp drive straight to the first episode. I really cannot wait. I am a massive, massive fan of patrick stewart mm -hmm. uh both in terms of him as jean-luc picard in next generation but everything he's done since and just the kind of person that he is and so i cannot wait to see him with the other actors bringing this new story uh in the star trek universe um to to us to be honest i, I i'm almost wondering you know will there be a similar sort of pathos uh, that we got in Logan when when he did that kind oh, of right, thing. Yeah. Not maybe continuously, but bring some element of that because that was just wonderful what he did there with mm. Hugh Jackman. And I get the sense that there may be a similar kind of feel of that character here, um, you know, in, in what he wants to do um, potentially by the end of the series or at, at parts, you know, not a continuous thing. So yeah. I am absolutely dialed up to 11 with my power cells. Well, one thing I think that the 
executive producers said at the Q&A that I haven't mentioned that I really liked was they said, when you got to the end of Star Trek Insurrection, the one with uh, Shinzon played by Tom Hardy in it, when you got to the end of that, Picard had a very clear idea of where he was going and everybody generally in the fandom had an idea of where all of those characters were going now. We had Data, unfortunately, was gone. He'd sacrificed himself. We had B4, who was the other version of Data, a much more primitive version, who kind of taken his spot, and everybody kind of went, okay, well, you can still continue with this cast. They're going to go off on new adventures. And what the executive producers were saying was, but what happens if your life doesn't turn out the way you expect it to? Like most lives do. <laughs> This is what that story is. You know, they all thought they had this trajectory in future. What actually happens if your life goes a different direction than you think than everybody thinks it's going? So I kind of like that idea. So, um, yeah, I think you kind of hit something there, John, as well. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we hope you are absolutely buzzing as well for Star Trek Picard, fellow Trekkies mm -hmm. and Trekkers. Please uh, join us on our discussion podcasts of the series of Picard. You can send in feedback. We love to hear your feedback and thoughts. You can send that through uh, email at feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Join our Facebook group over on facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash TV podcast industries. And of course, if you can also send feedback through audio, uh, you can leave it on our communicator. Just head on over to tvpodcastindustries.com uh, and you can record up to 90 seconds of your thoughts uh, on the week's episode. Just go to the right-hand side tab to leave your audio feedback as well. We'd love to hear from everyone uh, joining us for our discussions and for the show star trek picard yes thanks so much for joining us for this episode as john said you can subscribe over on tvpodcastindustries.com if you want to support us you can go over to patreon.com slash tvpodcastindustries we know there are going to be so many podcasts about star trek out there we're so glad you've chosen to come and join us for our episodes and um, so if you want to share it with your friends make sure you share the podcast wherever uh, you Go on social media, basically. We, uh, we're available on all podcast catchers, so uh, share it around. We'll be back with Picard on TV Podcast Industries after the first episode airs on the 23rd of January. Watch it and let us know what you think. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to hear from you, fellow Trekkies. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. Yeah, as always, fellow Trekkies, it is a pleasure speaking with you. And of course, remember to keep watching, keep listening, TV Podcast Industries. Bye.
once he got that document, he said, I realize now that the treatment that they want to do with the character and it's something I'm up for. So, uh, so that what I thought was really fascinating. Yeah, no, that's great stuff. Mm. Uh, and it's great when you get that buy-in from the lead actresses. Synths are synthetics in this world. They're not synthesizers, John. I'm doing a Chris there. That thing that's going to be edited out before the episode. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> 